0: Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. It's the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. It's reading from chapter 9. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. They no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord Please have a seat. Well, my name's Liz Gray, and I'm the vicar here, and a very warm welcome to you, especially those of you who are visiting, particularly because of the ARDF pancakes downstairs later. It's lovely to see some familiar faces and unfamiliar faces. Welcome. We're coming to the end, or to at least a break point in our recent series, which we've been doing really since September when we started, called Walking with Jesus, as we've been looking through the Gospel of Mark. After today, we're going to stop for Lent. Can you believe that Lent begins this week? It's suddenly crept up on us. And we're going to be looking at some spiritual practices over Lent as we try and think about ways of engaging more deliberately uh, with some, some to call them disciplines, practices, ways of being. But there are a number of wonderful things that um, I get to do as Vicar of Incarnation. But I also get to have my finger in a couple of other pies around the place, and one of the things that uh, I've had great delight in doing over this last year is being a part of the Matthew 25 steering team. Now the Matthew 25 group gathering happens once a year roughly, and it's a group of about a hundred people who are involved in works of justice and mercy within the Anglican Church in the province of North America and Probably three or four years ago now, a woman called Christine Warner began to realize how thirsty this group of people was, both for community and for refreshment. Because if you're running a little clinic on the border, it can get lonely and hard. If you're running an immigration clinic somewhere else, or if you're running a work with the homeless or the hungry or dealing with human trafficking, many of these ministries that that are affiliated with the Anglican Church here are just hard and people need time to be refreshed and so it's been great opportunity to be a part of this group over the last few years and then to be part of the planning this past year and so the m- gathering happened for 3 days the week before last remember the wednesday was really cold well it was the tuesday wednesday thursday around that snow day but it happened and people came and they were encouraged and it was lovely to have various people from Incarnation involved as well. Ginny came and ran a, a seminar on human trafficking, and Eva Elizabeth was there running a workshop on working with the physically vulnerable. Ashley and Morgan and others, Agnes, came and prayed with people. It was good. It was a really good time. Our theme overall over these years has been justice and mercy contending for Shalom. And it's easy to think of these people in these particular type of ministries needing to contest for justice and mercy. But I suspect all of you, all of you, the lawyers, the economists, the people who work for the government, all of us in our roles are contesting for justice and mercy. It's what we want to see changing in the world that we're involved with. Our work matters. And it's really important that when we go into our work, we go in contending for justice and mercy. So our theme this year was how to become or how to develop the practices of being contemplative activists. And that phrase has just grabbed my imagination. And so even as I was thinking about reading the passage for the first time again, as I was preparing for tonight, contemplative activist, contemplative activist, because that's what I think all of us want to be. We want to be more contemplative and we want to be activists. Bill Haley gave a lovely definition at the gathering of what contemplative could mean and he said the contemplative life is being present to the presence of God. The contemplative life is being present to the presence of God. And so as I came away from the gathering, i have been feeling hungry about that, hungry about this idea of being present to the presence of God. And so as I turned to the Gospel reading, I was really struck by the first four words. Did you catch them? The first four words of the Transfiguration story starts out in Mark's Gospel, and after six days. If you've been around church for a while you might recognize that kind of phrase, and after six days. Perhaps you've started a Bible in the Year program at one point. I bet you did day one. Day one, Genesis 1, right at the beginning, and after six days. At the very beginning of the Bible, it says this, And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. After six days, God sat back and went, wow, isn't this beautiful? He took time to enjoy it and to relish it and to just soak up the beauty of creation, whatever your view of six days is. But here's Jesus after six days. And as you think back over some of the stories and accounts we've talked about over the last few weeks, we've had Jesus feeding 4,000. We've had Jesus feeding 5,000. We've had Jesus debating with the Pharisees. We've had Jesus kind of arguing with a Syrophoenician woman. He's healed people, he's touched people. My guess is Jesus could be kinda tired, kinda weary. It's a lot of people, it's a lot of action. Two weeks ago, we were talking about how Jesus and Peter and the other disciples were engaged in the discussion about who Jesus was. And Peter came out with this, you are the Christ, and Jesus then elaborated, saying, and the Son of Man. And then he'd begun to talk about suffering. Gosh, so much for the disciples to process. So much for them to get their heads around. Jesus was gradually turning over their paradigm of who he was and what was happening. So Jesus and his best friends, after six days, took a hike. They went up a mountain. And Jesus is the quintessential contemplative activist. So it's good to look at what he does when he wants to do the contemplative bit of his activism. He goes to be present to God. And he's goes to be present to God so that after that he can be present to others. And we've seen Jesus go up a mountain before. He's been up a mountain and then he's come down and called the disciples. He's been up a mountain and come down and walked on the water. He always goes up mountains when he really wants to get away with his father. I love the difference in the different gospel accounts sometimes. And one of the, the little details that Luke throws in with the transfiguration is that when they got to the top, the disciples fall asleep. And again, you just kind of go, don't you love the disciples? Here they're going to be present to God, and they go up the mountain, and they get there, and they kind of fall asleep. But meanwhile, Jesus is engaging with his Father. And so when Peter kind of wakes up a bit and begins to realize that stuff's happening, he looks up, and Jesus is transfigured. And that means, or the dictionary definition is a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. Jesus is shiny with the glory of God. He's being fully attentive to his father. He's put down his smartphone, he's turned from his friends, and he is focused. And he is shining. And as he's there, Peter also notices that Elijah and Moses are there, and that's significant. Because Jesus is showing so much to his disciples in this period. And right now, this is a moment where as he engages with his father, he is establishing that he's here to fulfill the prophets, which is why Elijah is there. And he's there to fulfill the law, which is why Moses is there. Because as it says in the Gospel of John, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of the whole of the Old Testament was coming through Jesus at this point. That's why it's so good to read the Old Testament so we get to see the fullness of what is happening. And then as the disciples listen, the clouds come down and there's a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Oh, what a good moment that must have been, both for the disciples and for Jesus. That strong affirmation of who he was and the reminder that he was beloved. I'm so glad God didn't say, did you see how well Jesus fed all those people? Did did you see how well? You know, God doesn't give a listing of all the achievements of all the stuff he's done. He just says, look at him. This is my son. He's my beloved son listen. And so Jesus at that moment, all his senses are engaged. He can see that he is shiny and that he's transfigured. He can hear the words of his father. I am sure his body responded to the love that was being poured out upon him at that moment. He needed this moment as well as he was about to go down the hill and head down into Jerusalem. Even as we are heading into Lent, Jesus was now Having been transfigured, he comes down the mountain and begins the journey towards the cross. But he has been present to his father. And for the disciples, gosh, I bet they were just kind of like all over the place. Well, you could tell that they were because Peter, you know, kind of going on about shall we build some tents and what are we doing and who's here? And they were kind of stumbling their way through to understanding. But it's as if God through Jesus, is giving them all the building blocks they need. And eventually, eventually, after the resurrection, they begin to put it all together and all makes better sense. I love the fact that Peter reflects on this later in his writings, and he writes in 2 Peter, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. This was a profound moment for Peter which he was able to then reflect on for his entire life when he saw this truth about Jesus. So what about us what about us and this whole idea of six days later as we seek to be contemplative activists in the metro DC area as we seek to be witnesses to God in this place and this time what does it mean to us that Jesus took time to go up a mountain to be present to God well to me it seems that this is a vital piece of Christ following Because all of us, and I know most of you, all of us, I suspect, are good activists. We know how to do around here. We are good doers. Because day after day, we busy ourselves with all sorts of worthwhile things. We work hard. We work long hours. And for some of us, we're perhaps a little better at talking about contemplation than actually doing it. But Jesus knew he couldn't really go into that next phase without this moment. So I wonder if you could just think for a moment about when you at least metaphorically climbed a mountain with Jesus to be present to him. And this is a little bit more than just uh, that time in the morning or in the evening when you read your Bible and you pray and you, you get your day sorted out. I think those times are important. But I think there is a call for us to do something a little bit more. For us to take time to be present to God more deliberately. There are words we use around this. Sometimes we tie this together with Sabbath or with rest or, I don't know, different kind of whatever our thing is at the moment. And it is all of those things. It can be done as part of Sabbath. It can be done as part of rest. But I wonder why and how we could do it. We do it because Jesus models it. And we do it because I believe it will make us more fully ourselves. It will make us more Lee. It will make us more Ben and Patrick and Ramona. Each of us, as we are more present to God, more deliberately taking time to hear from God, it will change us. But for myself, I know the objections I often bring forward or maybe hear from other people. We fight sometimes against taking time to contemplate. Perhaps because the tasks on our list are a little bit too pressing, too long, too urgent. The flood of emails is just too overwhelming. The pressures of friends and family, don't they know how many things I've got to do? Or the delights of other things to do can be beguiling. And sometimes we're just too tired to sit and be still, or too tired. We're scared that the stillness will make us bored or frightened or angry or something. Maybe it's just not my enneagram type after all. But the opposite will happen if we don't contemplate, if we're not present to God. Because it'll be a message that we're giving to ourselves that I'm too important perhaps to stop, that I don't care enough for my physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health to stop. Maybe I'm even slightly not sure that I want to hear what Jesus has to say to me. But what I would encourage you to do is to think contemplation doesn't mean sitting just on the sofa and hoping that the time will pass quickly. The seven days Jesus went up a mountain. I mean, how much fun is that? Going up a mountain, spending time in nature. Being present to God can happen in so many different ways and shapes and forms. It could happen that you light a candle and sit in your room. Or it could happen that you sit by an open window and look at a tree. It could be that you get to hike a mountain. I mean, that's wonderful. We'll all respond in slightly different ways. But can I urge you to find time, at least occasionally, to stop and give an extended period of time to be present to God, to ask him to speak to you, to ask him to tell you that he loves you, perhaps even just watching the shadows on the wall. And sometimes being present to God feels like it won't get us ready for Monday. But it will get us ready for Monday. To return to the world as re-energized, contemplative activists. This is an invitation to a relationship with your Father. And as Amy, there's a group of us, we prayed before the service. And as she read from 2 Corinthians 3, Paul reflected on this. And he said, and we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I encourage you to spend time being present to your father because your face will get shinier as you engage with him. And I would be excited to see you the day after and to just know that you have been with your Father and that you, deep down, know a little bit more securely that you are a beloved child of God as you head out as a contemplative activist. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for the moment when you stood before your Father on that mountain And when you were transfigured, I thank you for the way you taught and showed your disciples how to be present to your heavenly Father. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for all my friends in this room. May we all learn to be present to you. I pray that you will tell us how much you love us as we give space, as we allow our minds and bodies to still before you. Will you speak your reassurance and give us the things that we need so that we can be contemplative activists in South Arlington and beyond. Amen.